Welcome to Manager Tools. Today's topic, Work-Family Balance. Chapter 1, Go Home. Here we go. Mark, we must hear at conferences all the time when people do their introductions, they draw a picture and they draw either a, a, somebody juggling or a, a zin, yin yang type of, of symbol or a tornado, a tornado. Yeah. And, and, and they all say, I struggle with work family balance. Yeah. Tell me why that is wrong. Yeah. It's funny. The answer to the problem they're facing is totally simple. And like Einstein said, when he said, if you, I had 60 minutes to save the world, I'd spend 59 minutes. Um, stating the problem clearly and clearly and then one minute solving it. Our mistake is that we have stated the problem wrong. We're trying to solve the wrong problem when we talk about work family balance. As simple as that. And so we have four points we want to share today. We've touched on this point a bunch of times in casts. We actually have a part of a cast where we allude to actually talk about this, about calendar management, but we've never actually made this the heart of a cast. And so we wanted to do it because we want everybody to be able to find this cast. So four points. Point number one, folks, there is no balance. The reason why you can't solve the problem is you're, you're acting as if work and family are equal and you need to balance them out. And it cannot be done in a way that will ever give you any peace, which is what everyone wants. I have a feeling, Mike, that this cast will forever be known as the yellow peanut M&M cast and I will tell that story here. Oh, I can't wait to hear about that. <laughs> yeah. The second thing is once you agree that there is not balance, then you put your family first. You say that family outranks work, that there is no balance, that family is first, period. You're not trying to balance. You're not trying to say work and family are equal. I'm going to balance them out. You're saying my family comes first, and then I'm going to fit work into the time remaining after I take care of my family. The third point is, the simple answer is, so, okay, if, if family is first, then you schedule time with your family first. Everybody's got their schedules all worked out at work, and they have vast unscheduled time at work at home, which implies that there's nothing going on or that it's not important, and that's backwards. And then lastly, we're going to share Horseman's Corollary to Parkinson's Law, which I've shared a couple of times before, but people ask me about it all the time and they say they've heard it, but they don't know what it is. And so I want to share that as a way to get started. We're going to do multiple chapters on this topic to help people understand how exceptionally high level executives who are very good have rich and fulfilled family lives while not working 80 hours a week. It doesn't have to be done. Working more hours per week, folks, is never the solution for any length of time at all. Good. Okay. So you've told me this uh, a thousand times at least, right? Without without exaggeration. I was going to say a million. So oh, that might be exaggeration. Yeah, exaggeration. You, you said it a thousand I've times. I've said it a thousand times. Yeah. Yep. 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 There is no balance, right? The problem right. with the work family balance discussion is it's a fallacy. There's no balance at all in there. Yeah, exactly. A great deal of our struggles. And, and guys, we're not pointing a finger when we say this. We're going to try to say this in the, in the royal we, all of us together. The struggles with this challenge, we believe, Mike and I believe, and Wendy and Maggie and Dan and everybody else here, is a function of the concept of balance as it relates to two fundamentally different concepts, work and family. Guys, once you start talking about balance between two concepts, and, and I know many of you are going to struggle with this, particularly your 
you're more type A people, you high Ds, some of you high I's as well. Once you start talking about balancing two concepts, you inherently create, just by the word balance, a bias toward a central tendency. We start thinking about an equally weighted balance. We start actually trying to find balance. We think we're trying to balance two equal forces. We find ourselves taking from one and giving to the other, right? If If I spend an hour at work, then I'm not getting an hour at home. And unfortunately, what I see happening is where the battlefield happens is what time everybody goes home. And it's just a ragged edge between work and home. And what ends up happening is people spend more time at work. They're ineffective during the last couple hours of the day, although this cast, we won't talk about that. And they spend less time at home and home suffers. And when home suffers, work starts suffering too. Basically, what ends up happening is we tend to practice this sort of zero-sum game where one hour to the benefit of one, all spend more and more hour work, is definitely attributed to a detriment, a negative to home. And of course it is. On any given day, one more hour work can't be spent at home. But that's because we're approaching it tactically. And folks, if you're thinking this cast isn't important, just, just take it from someone who didn't live this, who spent a decade and a half working ridiculous hours for that proverbial, you know, pot of gold at the end of the rainbow to have it ripped away from him at disappear and, and, and walk away with nothing. And every yeah. step of the way, I thought, well, when we're done, I'll be able to retire. We'll have tons of money and we'll be able to live our lives uh, in happiness from that point forward. And man, wow, what a mistake that was. Yeah. yeah that's the whole life is about the journey. It's not about the destination, right? Yeah. I'll, I'll be happy then. You know, if when I have this thing, I'll be okay then. Guys, that's not the solution. You have to be happy now. I, I tell people all the time, I tell young people this, don't do a job you hate. And by the way, I'm paraphrasing Warren Buffett, giving a talk a number of years ago on stage with Bill Gates. Don't save up your life. Don't do a job that makes you miserable to save up so that when you're 30, you get to do, do a job that you really, really love. First of all, you may not make it till 30. And if you're unhappy when you're 20, you're never going to be happy. Even if you're happy when you're 30, you never will have been happy when you're 20. And if you learn unhappiness too well, you're going to get good at it. That, that was my experience. So look, guys, when you see the problem, the work-family balance problem, as an exercise in balancing two equal forces, one of those forces is always losing when you spend time with the other one. And the mental cocktail we mix in all of this, and it includes guilt and striving for achievement and wanting to be loved, and man, these are pretty fundamental emotional needs that most of us have. When you put all that together, and it's in a zero-sum game, and then you put it together with, I can see the consequences of less time at work, an angry boss, for instance, or even losing my job, whereas my family will forgive me today and return for more time tomorrow, you put all that together, many of us end up worrying about work-family balance is we feel guilty about the choices we're making, which is tactically, day-to-day, hour-by-hour, putting our work first. And what we do is choose risk avoidance altogether. I mean, literally, most of us are more risk averse than we realize. And and you put that risk avoidance together with some assumed forgiveness at home. Our families love us. Work really doesn't. And so we like, okay, well, we'll just struggle with work-family balance. When people tell me they're struggling with work-family balance, it's never because they spend too much time at home and they're getting in trouble for work for not working. It's not. 
It's because they're spending more hours at work and they know it and they're guilty about it. Well, the answer is spend less time at work. Now, I can't just tell people that because they immediately mentioned the cocktail and wanted to get ahead and risk of their losing their job and so on. But look, guys, there's no way to balance two so completely different concepts as work and family. And yeah, yeah, you could argue that spending times on one of them is at the expense of the other one. And time spent on things is one measure of your relationship with the competing forces. But the idea that your work and your family are concepts of equal value is equivalent to saying that an apple is the same thing as world famine or a tree is the same as world peace. It's ludicrous because we pair two things that we know are inherently unequal. And that's why we feel guilty when we spend extra time at work because we know we're, we're dealing with something that we ought to recognize. And in a part of us, deep down, we know is fundamentally secondary. Somebody sent me a note today, and that's why I wrote this cast today, even though I've had it in me for quite a while, and I've been trying to figure out how to put it together. But I wanted to put this cast out now because we just put out a newsletter in which we told the story of Matt Palmer down in Sydney, New South Wales, Australia, who told us a story about his experience using MT, uh, manager tools, and how much it made a difference. And one of the parts of the, the email that he sent out that we copied in the newsletter was his description of how much it hit him like a sledgehammer about what I told him about work family balance during open Q and a at the Sydney conference. And it still chokes me up when he came, took me aside and said, I want to tell you how much I appreciate you telling me the story that you told me, the analogy that you used, because I suddenly got it and I realized I've been doing it wrong. And those of you who read the newsletter know that Matt said he went home and told his wife, I've been doing it wrong all along. And then he went on to tell us a story about how his wife had just had premature babies and his absence at home was creating great stress. And his wife cried. And the story I told him is really simple. I told him what I call the yellow peanuts, the yellow peanut M&M story. And it goes like this. The idea that one person can achieve a balance, and I put balance in quotes when I do it, a balance, I use air quotes, even though Joey wouldn't understand. (laughs) The idea that somebody can achieve a balance between work and family is similar to suggesting that there is a similarity between a yellow peanut M&M and the sun. Yeah, they're both round and they're both yellow. But there, at the simplest of levels, (laughs) is where that similarity ends. Look, guys, take a yellow peanut M&M in your hand. Take it outside. Hold it up in your hands between two fingers and put it next to the sun, holding it up in front of you. Okay? Hold it in a place where however far away from your eyes, such that it is the same basic size as the sun. Now, does the fact that it's the same size from your perspective where you're holding it, looking at it, does it convince you that it's roughly equivalent to the sun? that they are somehow equals, that somehow you could cause those two things, a yellow peanut M&M and the sun to be in balance? No, no, we can analyze them that way. They're both yellow. They're both round. Let's talk about the similarities in the same way that work and family. They both take time, more time with one benefits that one more time with the other benefits the other. Yeah. Those things are true. That doesn't make your work and your family equal. Ask someone who has lost a job, to say with complete truthfulness out loud that me losing my job is the same as someone else having a child die. Oh, geez. (laughs) 
Right. Yeah. I mean, look, guys, there is no credible way to say work. Now, some of you are single. And so this cast probably, you're like, well, I don't, you know, I, I like work. Good. Spend more hours at work. We have no problem with that. Okay. But don't complain. You're spending too much time at work. There is no way that you can hold these two ideas in, in your head and say they're equivalent in some reasonably accurate way. You can analyze them similarly at the most abstract way possible in terms of time management, but it's unfair. It's emotionally unfair. It's professionally unfair as well. So you cannot compare just the time management portions of the two most important concepts in most of our lives, work and family. And because the time management of both of them compete with one another and because they both require time management, then somehow make the concepts equal because the concepts aren't equal. And when concepts are unequal, one does not attempt to balance them. One attempts to manage most effectively on the one that is most important. And one then figures out how one copes with the other one. And, and look, when I'm talking about coping, we're still going to give you more time awake every day at work than you get with your family. So it's not a very narrow form of coping when you're going to spend more hours at work during the week than you are with your family, right? It's just that we're going to be clear about what's important and what's not. Yeah. So to be clear here, just to use the, the yellow peanut M&M story. Uh, right. Your family is the sun, right? In work. Yeah. It's, is not, the, yeah. it's the peanut M&M. And then if, if we're not trying to balance those two things, then the answer is simple. Put your family first. Yeah. One so outranks the other one in the scheme of most of our lives. Any comparison is inherently flawed. And therefore, we know that family outranks work. So we put our family first. And look, here's the point. So many people are trying to solve the problem of two equals from a tactical perspective, time management, priority management. That's backwards. You need to focus on it strategically. We recommend working backwards strategically from the disparity of the two concepts, family and work, versus working forwards tactically, measuring the relative amounts of time you spend. It's simple. Okay. Because if in fact work and family are equal, technically you should be spending more waking hours with your family because work still gets more of your time than the family does while you're awake, even counting weekends. Right. It's crazy. It literally is. Everyone's approach to this around time management. They don't, it just doesn't hold water at all. I'm sorry. I'm getting all excited about this. Guys, <laughs> I, I normally don't do this, but I sent this cast a while ago to Mike, just a part of it that I'd written. And so I think this is going to be a good one, dude. And I sent it to both he and Wendy and they wrote back. Yeah, this is a good one. In fact, internally, we call them Hall of Fame casts when we think they're really going to make a difference with hundreds of thousands of people in the world. And I got excited about this one. So I'm sorry if I'm, I'm getting a little overwrought about it, but this may be the most important misunderstood failing of the vast majority of us in terms of joy and professional accomplishment and achievement. And don't get me wrong. I'm not accusing you guys. If you're listening, I'm not accusing you of doing it less well than I am. I'm not saying that at all. You may be doing it better than me. We're trying to educate you on what the vast majority of people we talk to misunderstand about this inherent unbalanced situation that we're facing. And I will say this. I mean, I've said to many people, I work very hard and yet I feel very good about my work family balance today. Now, 20 years ago, did I? No, I didn't. And I probably didn't get this fully. And we don't want you to make the mistakes we made. We don't. Yeah. 
there's other pieces in the equation other than time, right? That's the mistake people make is yeah. uh, um, success at work is based upon the amount of time I, I no, spend gosh, on no, it, yeah. right? And time of family. Then it, then it becomes the, the battle between time of family and time, time with work. And that's yeah. that in, you've lost the battle already. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. It's a tug of war. And you're going to forever, for every hour you give one, you're going to feel the other one's gotten cheated. And then it's a zero sum game and zero sum games always make people feel frustrated and, and in a sense failing. So if you start with the concept of working backwards strategically from the idea that family outranks uh, work, that means that the primary goal of your priority management efforts is protecting or investing in your primary focus, time with your family. In the same way that you cannot do email while thinking about team hiring, or you can't do email while thinking about corporate strategy or write HTML code while you're answering mail, or if you do, you'll do both terribly poorly. You cannot routinely combine work and family time with good results. So if you can't do them together and family outrank works, the effective manager, the effective professional puts her family time first on his or her calendar and then figures out how to get the work of work done in the time that is remaining rather than the other way around. Rather than saying, I've got a bunch of work today to do today and I'm going to work until I get it done, which essentially allows Parkinson's law to ruin your life at work and at home to make you inefficient at work and ineffective at home to just the worst possible combination. We say, put your time with family first and protect that time. And then with the time remaining, use Horstman's corollary to Parkinson's law, which we'll talk about later, to actually be more effective at work in less time. All right. Now, we, we talk about priority management all the time. It comes up at conferences almost every time we do a conference. To feel folks talk about time management, we talk about priority management. And, right. and one of the first rules about priority management is putting your priorities on your first, calendar. Yeah. Right? Yeah. That's, that's it, right? And I think back to all the executives' calendars I've seen except for the very effective ones, I rarely, rarely see anything on their calendar about family. It's all about work. Right. Yeah, exactly. And yet I know people who say one of their great joys in life is that, hey, two weeks from Thursday, we're going to go do something special. Or or on that Saturday, we're going to pick apples in the orchard. And often it's the spouse who says, we've got to do this for the kids. And you do it. And it's like, wow, that was great. And it's amazing. But nobody ever notices during the three hours they're in the apple orchard, nothing bad happened. <laughs> right. Nothing. I mean, really nothing. I tell people all the time, people are like, oh, I, I cannot get away from email. And they said this to me at a straight face in the middle of a conference day. That they've been in for the last eight hours and haven't done email. <laughs> yeah. I was in China recently and, and uh, over in China, the instant message software of choice is called QQ. And I said, you guys are on QQ and they all are on QQ. I said, okay, have you been on QQ all day today? And no one, you know, I said, anybody? No one. They hadn't been on all day. I said, what's happening? Is your building burning down? No. So when you say you need to be on QQ, no, you don't. You choose to be. And if you didn't do QQ, I would argue in, in China with QQ and in the U.S. as an example or in the Western world with instant message and email, if you didn't do it, as you so often don't do when you're on an airplane and there's no Wi-Fi, particularly if you're flying across the pond or across the Pacific, everything's fine. And you get to go home in the same amount of time without doing email. Now, you can't do that every day, but you can do it a lot more than you think. And I know it's true when people say, I need to be on email. 
No, you don't. You just prove by talking to me for an hour and not looking at email. You don't need to be on email. You want to be on email. You want to be on QQ. You want to be in meetings. You want to take a list of two or three things to work that you're going to get to today no matter what. And you keep telling yourself all during the day, I know I need to do it, but I'm too busy. I'm too busy. I'm too busy. I'll wait until the end of the day. I'll do it when nobody's around. And it happens all the time. And then you realize it's bigger than you thought. You can't get it done that day. And you go home and you're late getting home. You didn't get a lot done at work. You didn't get the most important things done at work. And everybody's unhappy. So like you said, schedule time at home first. The time for your family, which includes for a professional, when you're going to go home, gets on your calendar first every day. Sit down with your partner, your spouse, your loved one once a month. And every week as well, determine what each of you need from the other. Perhaps it's a lot of time for some people. Every relationship, every parenting, every husband and wife, every spousal situation is different. So more for some, less for others. That's okay. We're not going to sit here and tell you what the right amount of family time is. We know it's probably more than you spend, (laughs) uh, but we're not going to tell you how to schedule that time. Determine what you need from each other. Talk to each other about how much time you want to spend together. Look at your kids' school and transportation schedules and football schedules and gymnastics schedules and taekwondo schedules and so on. Divide responsibilities reasonably. And yeah, guys, we're not silly. If your earning power is twice your spouse's, that can play a role in the decision-making around who handles the kids on certain days. And we'll talk more about how to do that, how to have those conversations in a future chapter. Okay. And look, Mike and I would guess that the majority of you all listening would have a calendar full during your weekday and pretty much empty in the evenings and on the weekends. And yet that's exactly the opposite of effective priority management principles. And what I mean by that is that your most important priority ought to be clearly scheduled, but it's not. And because you make that decision every day between four o'clock in the afternoon and eight or nine o'clock at night, it ends up favoring work over and over and over again. And look, I think I've said this before on a cast. Sociologists have said for several years that the single most frequent place in people's homes where fights occur between spouses is in the kitchen. And originally they thought it was because that's where everybody spent their time, but they've since discovered that's not true. It's because one spouse is home And often when people come home from work, it's the time of day on normal day schedules where people need to eat when they get home. They eat the evening meal, supper, dinner, whatever you call it. And one of them is already at home starting to work on that. The other one comes home from work, has not decompressed, comes in and starts talking about work when the other person would like to be with their spouse because they've already decompressed. And because there is tension, because there is conflict, any small thing can turn into a fight. What sociologists will tell you, what psychologists and therapists will tell you is when you get home, say hello to your spouse and go into the bedroom and change clothes and take 15 minutes decompressing and get away from work before you go in and join your spouse in the kitchen to help prepare or to sit and chat or whatever it might be. And now I feel like this is morphing into family tools and Mike, that's not even (laughs) in the show notes. So, so I got to be careful. But look, you don't need to schedule every minute of your family time. That's not achievable, probably. But think of it this way, guys. Think about this way. I'll never forget when a, a friend of mine who was a family therapist told me this. If you had two whole days of unscheduled time gifted to you at work in the middle of the week, what would be the most effective use of your time relative to your responsibilities? 
first of all, you'd be totally thrilled. You would. Yeah, you would. You'd, you, most people would say, if I had two whole days and I could, I could get questions answered by email and so on, I'd work on that really big task. I'd make headway on the stuff bothering me. It would be epic. I would just be like in heaven. And I'd probably schedule time and I'd get stuff done. I'd have deliverables. So then ask yourself, guys, how come you don't think that way about every weekend with your two whole days free to focus on your family responsibilities, what we all say is most important to us? Look, the logical conclusion, the trickle-down effect of the strategic decision of family first rather than the tactical decision of who gets the hour between six and seven in the evening is for us to block out the time unavailable for our work responsibilities by scheduling time for and with our families each weeknight and each weekend. And when you're scheduled to be with your family, you're not going to be at work. Now, whether your schedule specifies particular activities initially is not nearly as important as eliminating the chance that a work responsibility will creep in. And we mean putting down your BlackBerry, putting down your iPhone, putting down your Android, putting down your smartphone. We mean it. We absolutely mean it. We'll tell you later that there are times when you can be on email. It's fine. Okay. Now, look, here's the ultimate example of this, this technique we're talking about, this fundamental strategic rethinking for most of us, if you take it to a reasonable conclusion. Once you've scheduled time for your family and figured out what times you need to be at home, you can turn to your spouse or your partner or your loved one or your child and you can say, you can count on me to be home at this time. Oh, man, I bet you 90% of our audience absolutely recoiled at that. The, the idea yeah. of actually saying that and making that commitment just scares them to death. Right. I mean, the whole point of that is if you attack it from a tactical perspective, you can't do it because you're in the moment and everything's important in the moment. If you work backwards from the strategy, it's a no brainer to be able to say to your spouse, my family's more important than work. And so therefore I'm going to put what's most important first. I'm not going to not do my company strategy. The CEO doesn't get to say, I know I'm supposed to do strategy, but I'm going to do email. <laughs> well, he, he, you know, she can, but the problem is the company suffers because anybody can do her, her email, but only she can probably do parts of the strategy. Yeah. And look, guys, we understand, Mike says you recoil. We understand that. Here's the thing, though. If you do something hundreds of times, you can no longer have any credibility when you say you don't believe in it, you don't support it, you're not that way, your family comes first, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. That whole flexible, ragged edge between work and family, where we go home when work finally lets go of us, or we just have to go home, what we say finally is, I'm frustrated, I'm not getting anything done, I just have to go home. We prove we're not putting family first. We can't live one way and proclaim we believe or we are the other way. It, well, you, you can. It's just that nobody believes it, and we, we know we're affecting our own credibility. Yeah. And we're affecting our credibility with our spouses and our children. But it can be done. This can be done. It is done every day, all the time, by people who have their priorities clear in their own minds. And I'm not talking about somebody who slacks off. I'm talking about people who put time for their family and say, I'm going to work my tail off to spend time with my family at work. And my family is going to be so squared away. When I'm at work, I can focus on work. And now I'll say it because so, some people are waiting for a loophole and we're going to give you a little one. It might surprise you to know that at Manager Tools and Career Tools, 
we also believe that it is completely reasonable. In addition to saying family time first in the evenings and on the weekends, it's completely reasonable to spend a few minutes every evening doing email on your smartphone. Not at the dinner table, not during family movie night, not all the time, not in your pocket. But sure, if you want to do a few minutes before you go to bed or at 10 o'clock at night or something like that, after the kids have gone to bed, before you're thinking about going to bed, sure, we don't have any problem with that. And make sure your spouse knows and make sure it's cool. Yeah. That's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. My wife didn't have any problem at all with me doing email in the evening. She just had one rule. No laptop in the bedroom. That was it. Oh, yeah. That, that was that was Okay. Cool. Yeah. I coached a guy once and his wife said, I want him to stop using his BlackBerry as a alarm clock in the morning because secretly he's, he doesn't need an alarm clock. He doesn't use BlackBerry as an alarm clock. He doesn't do email. And he refused and they got divorced. Oh, there you go. There's, there's somebody who doesn't have their priority straight. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So you talked about the horseman's corollary to Parkinson's law. Well, I'm curious. What is that? Yeah. People ask me that. I, I say it and then I realize people don't know what Parkinson's law is. People come to me and this is what they say and they've, they've done it backwards. And guys, don't feel bad. I've done it backwards for years too. The amount of work I get done is important to my performance at work. In fact, when people think about it, it may be the single biggest contributor to my work reputation of anything I control, the amount of work I get done. But if I now put family first rather than balancing between the two, and of course, what they're trying to say is the beauty of balance is I can at any given time give myself what I want at that moment. It ends up being strategically unsustainable, but in the moment, it's okay. It just makes you feel guilty and people you learn to manage their guilt is the way this works, according to therapists I've talked to, Okay. But if I put family first rather than doing the balancing act, I know the outcome of that is I am, end up spending less time at work. And you're right, folks. That's You're right. That's, yeah, that's exactly right. That's yeah. the whole point. Well, it is the whole point unless you didn't go home and are a colossal pain in the tail to your family. Right? Well, that's true. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We don't want you to spend time. We want you to be effective. And so what you're saying to us is why would Mark and Mike and Manager Tools knowingly recommend behaviors that would be deleterious to my career? And I have come to call this the George Strait defense after George Strait's number one country hit song, Famous Last Words of a Fool. <laughs> That's nice. Nice. Yeah. The problem with this defense is that it incorrectly conflates time spent at work with how much work someone gets done. What most of us don't realize is that we're horribly inefficient at work. And when we allow the line between work and family to become ragged, and I've alluded to this already, I'll get to my work when everybody else goes home. I'll do that later today when my schedule clears up. I'll do that when everything slows down around here. I really need quiet time to do that. I'll just keep thinking about it. And the moment I get a break, I'll sit down and make it happen. When you think that way, you end up subordinating your primary responsibility, your family, for your scheduling difficulties. This is us throwing our key strategy under the bus to maintain a tactic that's subordinate to the strategy. It's inherently unsustainable for a professional. It is. And here's the hidden truth. Very few people believe this, but it's unassailable. You can get a lot more done than you do now in a lot less time than you spend now by becoming notably more efficient. In part, believe it or not, by giving yourself less time. And here we get to Parkinson, I'm sure. It sounds like it. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Parkinson's law says work expands to fill the time available for its completion. Basically, if you have an hour to get something done, it will take you around an hour. If you only had half an hour to get something done, 
that task would take you about half an hour. Even if it was the same task with no appreciable loss of quality. Parkinson's law begs from a professional some response, and we call it Horseman's Corollary, which is work contracts to fit into the time you give it. In Parkinson's world, and of course he was talking about the British, uh, the British uh, government service, civil service, work takes more time than necessary because work is given too much time to do it. It suggests, therefore, that given less time, work would then take less time. And that's where the horseman's corollary takes over. Look, we don't argue that Parkinson's wrong. He's right. We simply say that if you want to achieve at a higher level, you can simply give less time to your responsibilities and learn to work toward shorter deadlines without worrying greatly about quality. People ask me all the time, when I'm coaching my guys, when do they do the, the, the coaching responsibilities? Well, they do it during their regular duty day, during the regular hours. Well, no, they need to do that at night because they have work to do. No, if they want to get better, they can figure out how to do the work they used to do in 100% of their time. They can figure out how to do it in 90% of their time. You'll discover that there's no appreciable loss of quality or quantity, and the remaining 10%, they can improve themselves. And frankly, they could probably push it down to 80% of the time they're doing it because they're so inefficient. There's all kinds of things they do that are ineffective. You know, I joke, I made the mistake of saying something, someone recently that upset him, but I, you know, I said, you got to go to the bathroom. You got to go to, you got to have lunch. You got to read email. You got to do Twitter. You got to do Facebook. People are on YouTube. I think I read somewhere that YouTube is the most visited website in the world. Now, unless everybody's doing lots of YouTube work on the weekends with the number of people who are employed during most waking hours of the day, that means YouTube is probably the most visited website during the workday. I mean, it's, it's not unreasonable to have that conclusion, right? I mean, I don't know. How many of us can honestly say that YouTube is part of our work? It's not. Now, look, I, I love YouTube. Don't get me wrong. I'm not against YouTube. I'm just against the amount of time it takes you being inefficient and ineffective. And then you complaining about it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah that, yeah, that makes it work. And by the way, guys, I want full disclosure. Okay. We're not taking credit for Parkinson's law. Okay. We are taking credit for Horseman's Corollary. Now, there is something called the Stock Stan Sanford Rule, uh, which is about procrastination, basically. And it addresses the same concept as Horseman's Corollary. Stock Sanford says, if you wait until the last minute, whatever you're doing is only going to take you a minute anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Stock Sanford is about the procrastinator. Even though Horseman's Corollary is the same thing, you can get more done in a day by spending less time on each because you can contract the amount of time as easily as Parkinson says. You can expand the amount of time. And Stock Sanford humorously goads the procrastinator, but we believe Horseman's Corollary encourages the professional. So what we're recommending you do is set a time to go home with your spouse every night. And by the way, you can also set a time with your spouse, which we talked about years ago in a previous cast, I think it's seven, six, seven years ago, we said, Set a time one day each week where you'll be home early or on time and pick a time another day of the week that gives you the ability to stay a little bit later when you have two hours at your desk with nobody bugging you because your team has gone home. And from five to seven in the evening, your spouse is not expecting you home until 7.30. And frankly, traffic would have kept you longer anyway if you'd have left at five or 5.30. You set that time and then you decide, I have to get done today. I have to get done by five o'clock because I'm going home and it's a dead stop. I can't keep working past five o'clock because I promised my spouse I'd be home. 
I'm going to be home. I'm going to show them with my choices about my life and my time that family is more important than work. I didn't get married to work. I got married to my spouse. I didn't say I'd love my work forever and honor and cherish them. I said that to my spouse. And then what we say is that stop at five o'clock can make you a lot more effective in getting things done. And the last thing I want to say about this is I know far too many people, including myself, who have gone to work on the last day before a family vacation and had 10 things they had to get done because they're going to be gone for two weeks. And they got virtually all of them done, even though some of them were not yet due, but they were going to be due on their vacation or they were long overdue and they've been struggling to get them done. And suddenly, because they had to, before a five o'clock departure date to catch a flight to go to Disney World or Paris or upstate New York or you know, Mission Hills in China, wherever the case might be, they got the vast majority of it done because they felt the pressure of time. Deadlines drive behavior, and we can create in our own lives, our own professional lives, to honor our family, we can create deadlines at work, and we can meet deadlines. Simple. Yeah, reminds me of a country song I, I like, uh, something about live, uh, live like you were dying or something like that. Yeah, that's right. Live like you were dying. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. If you knew you only had a week, what would you do? And if you had to spend some of that time at work, would you change your choices? Yeah. Most of us would. would. Yeah. All right. So let me wrap up. There's no balance. We're not trying to balance two equal concepts. Okay. Never forget a yellow peanut M&M is round and yellow, but it's not the sun. And just because you manage time in both doesn't mean work and family are the same thing. They're not. Put your family first. Schedule your time at home first. The less time you end up at work, separate from the fact that Mike and I and Wendy and Maggie and Danny and everybody else in the managerials team is not going to take credit for the fact that you're going to have more time at home because we helped you with this. What we want you to do is with less time at work, become just as effective, if not more effective at work by driving yourself to get things done on time. You're inefficient at work. I'm inefficient at work. Mike and I have never missed a deadline for a podcast in seven years. We've never not had a podcast when we said we would. You know why that is? Because we know we have to put one out. And sometimes I'm late putting them out, but uh, we don't miss. Why? Because we know there's a deadline and we know you all are expecting it. And we're not going to let down hundreds of thousands of listeners. We're not going to do it. And you don't have to either. You can choose to get more work done in less time. And over the course of the next few chapters, this series we're going to put out, we'll give you more and more tools to use. But all those tools only really work when you believe in the yellow peanut and M&M and the sun. All right, my friend. Thanks. Hall of Fame for sure, I think. All right. Good. <laughs> all right, man. We'll see you. See ya. Thanks, everyone. That's it. Hopefully, you didn't fall out of your chairs today and... Uh, We'll see you next week. In the meantime, have a great one. So long.